Hello, hello, and welcome to Campaigns and Coffee with me, Katie Hilton, and my good friend, Jeremy Smith, where we wake up, smell the coffee, and chat about our favorite marketing campaigns. Every two weeks, we invite a special guest for a virtual coffee and have a good old chinwag about a campaign that they have particularly enjoyed. For the first episode of Campaigns and Coffee, we are joined by none other than Sam Duggan and Rory Groves from Force 24, two of Yorkshire's finest marketing brains, and by sheer coincidence, two of our colleagues. Welcome, Sam and Rory. Hi there. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks for having us. So, thank you very much for joining, guys. Let's first find out a little bit more about you both. So, Rory, tell me something about yourself. Um, yeah, so I'm Rory Groves. I'm the marketing manager for Force 24. Um, I've worked here for about uh, two and a half years now, um, and it's been fantastic watching the uh, kind of company develop uh, over that time, which has just kind of grown and grown. Um, altogether, I've got about five years marketing experience in the uh, industry, um, and for Force 24, I kind of involved with uh, obviously all the marketing, but specifically um, kind of campaign related. Um, bits uh, kind of focusing on enhancing the customer journey to increase the engagement and ROI from it. Um, in my spare time, um, I pick up hobbies like the going out of fashion, but mostly um, I'm kind of an avid photographer um, and a musician as well, playing guitar and piano. Guitar's going out of fashion, is it? Don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. No, it's definitely not, but <laughs> <laughs> it's always there, don't worry. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Rory. And Sam, tell us a bit about yourself. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, my name's Sam Duggan. I'm the head of marketing at Force 24, so I work quite closely with Rory on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I've got about 10 years' experience now, which which makes me feel rather old. It feels like two minutes since I was leaving university, but uh, so be it. Um, yeah, so spare time, I uh, I've got... Uh, I've, I've realized that I've got kind of distinctly middle-aged man hobbies in triathlon. I think that's uh, quite a trademark of a, an aging male, which is sorry to say, but, but that's the way it is. Um, I also enjoy around the golf, which is another uh, sort of <laughs> illustration of me aging beyond my time. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's basically me in a nutshell. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, guys. So, of course, we're going to have to start the conversation by asking you both, what's your favourite coffee? What do you drink? Well, I, I actually missed the memo on that, and I've actually got a cup of tea as it stands, Ooh. which is uh, probably a bit taboo, <laughs> to be, a bit taboo for this uh, podcast. But, <laughs> but, but usually, I, uh, I, I, I actually am a, I, I just take it as it comes. You know, I, I very much enjoy it. Black, no milk, no sugar. Um, yeah, the purest form. How about you, yeah, no, I'm a latte man myself. Uh, latte with a bit of milk and uh, one sugar. Okay. What so... is that? Are we, are we talking dairy milk or do you mix it up with a bit of a bit of? Oats? No, no, I'm just dairy milk, semi-skimmed. You know, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty standard okay. coffee, I'd say. So we've got we've uh, got I one basic things. order and we've got one hipster. Then that's what's going on here. Uh, trust Sam. Trust Sam to have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying, Sam, you're looking to get your own Force Twenty Four blend. Yeah, something we're, we're trying to work with North Star, who are a local uh, coffee independent coffee house in Leeds, to try and uh, come up with something a bit special. So uh, watch this space on that front. Well, yeah, get our, get our logo slapped on that for us. Can be the main sponsor, can't it? <laughs> exactly exactly 
So let's start talking about your favorite campaigns then. Uh, Sam, I haven't been having a look over your campaign that you sent us. It's not one that I was familiar with, but I, I love the advert. So give us a quick rundown of the advert you've chosen and why you like it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think everyone's got a bit of an affinity with uh, Christmas adverts, really. You know, it gets to kind of November, early December, and people start thinking, you know, have you seen that John Lewis advert? And everyone's like, no, no, I've not seen it yet. But the moment you see it, it's like Christmas has started. So there's there's a special place in my heart for these really kind of hard-hitting, emotionally-driven Christmas adverts. And um, my favourite one last year was actually an Amazon one, so I I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but it was was titled The Show Must Go On. Yeah. Um, And and what it basically did was it painted a picture of this young girl who was uh, selected to be you know, kind of starring role in a ballet in her, in her class. And unfortunately schools closed, the, the, the ballet was canceled and, uh, and it kind of painted this really sad picture that, you know, you've worked really hard. You've practiced day and night. I think there's a scene of her practicing under a, under a kind of uh, flyover in the pouring rain. And, and all of that was kind of ripped away from her. And the message behind the, uh, the advert was that, all her friends and family around her kind of pulled together, obviously using Amazon as a big part of the advert to 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 buy like lights and decorations and stuff and to try and put this show on for her. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just thought that one last year was really timely and very relevant. I think a lot of people were kind of a bit depressed and fed up with, with COVID. A lot of people have probably, it resonated with a lot of people who've been in a similar situation, you know, teachers and students who've been pulled out of schools we're all having to transition to working from home. It's millions of people's lives have been affected. And it really kind of, for me, that advert focused on building those kind of emotional relationships with customers. And it was kind of like, oh, this is such a nice advert. And, and actually, if you if you watch the advert, they don't even show an Amazon logo. They show that little Amazon sort of smiley, ticky arrow sort of thing at the end. And you know it's Amazon straight from there. Yeah, and they show the rough Amazon package. So you, you know it's Amazon without even seeing yeah. the word Amazon anywhere on it. Exactly, yeah. And, and for me, that was just... Um, it, it it touched me quite um, deeply in my in my marketing brain. It brought a tear to my eye the first time I watched it. So yeah, I think that's the... When you asked me couple of days ago to sort of think about that and prep for this that was the one that stood out really yeah so you you started off by talking about just christmas adverts in general so give us a rundown of what you think makes a christmas advert effective why they stick in the consumer's mind more more than adverts throughout the rest of the year what makes a christmas advert special why do we look forward to them yeah it's a good question jeremy and um i think the main thing is it, it really taps into this kind of um christmas spirit you know everyone everyone's disposition is completely different at christmas everyone's a lot more open and emotional they they can't wait to see the friends and family and and what a lot of the big brands do so john lewis i think mcdonald's did a good one last year actually and what they really try and do is kind of tap into those emotions and for me this comes down to something that we talk a lot about in marketing where it's you know you've got the kind of top of funnel brand awareness messaging that a lot of these big brands do really well um most of the time brands get this completely wrong and they, they try and sort of rationalize what they're selling and use logical factors to, to, to ultimately sell to their customers. But what the Christmas adverts do is they kind of take it all in a different direction. You know, they don't, you don't see Amazon saying, Oh, next day delivery, you know, you can buy 10 Christmas trees for £2.99 or whatever it is. Cause we know that Amazon, you know, they've got the best delivery service. They've got the best prices. Amazon don't need to shout about that. 
what they do is they build that emotional relationship with their audience so that it really kind of builds deep bonds with the customers. And it's kind of like, you know, subliminally nearly just reinforcing that actually Amazon is where I want to shop. Um, and that's, that's something that the Christmas adverts really do kind of well. I mean, it's probably backed up by the fact that you see some adverts through the year um, that play a bit more on that kind of emotional side. So you might, you might've seen some brands yourself, uh, Brewdog, for example, they talk quite a lot about environmental work that they do. Yeah. You know, they don't talk about, Oh, I've got this beer and it's two ninety nine. you know, you can get four for a fiver. No one really cares about that on a, on a, on a high level. It's about, Oh, this business is something that, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about the environment. I want to drink beer that's good for the planet. So it kind of builds that brand relationship for me. Yeah, what well, one thing I saw uh, Brewdog do recently that kind of stood out to me, uh, they released all of their recipes for every single beer they've ever done with full instructions on how to make it yourself. So they're pretty yeah. much saying, yeah, our beer's not that special, but our brand is. Yeah. Exactly, that, yeah. that stood out and really separates them for me. Like, I, I'm not a beer drinker, um, but now... They're, they're the ones that come to the forefront of my mind when I start thinking about beer rather than Foster's or something because they're doing it a bit different. I think as, yeah, I think as well yeah. with the Amazon one as well, there's definitely a responsibility factor there as well because they are such yeah. a huge brand. Everyone's going to be looking to them, especially during the Christmas period, to see, okay, what is the messaging from Amazon? And I think what I liked about that one is that, yeah, it was a festive advert, but there were a lot of layers to the meaning behind that. Um, and Absolutely. I mean, if, if you link it to as well, I mean, I don't know if this is by sheer coincidence, but about a month prior to the release of that campaign, the government actually released a campaign. I don't know if you remember it, guys, but it was the one where it said, Fatima's next job could be in cyber. And it was the picture of the yeah, ballet, the ballet dancer. dancer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of outrage about that because a lot of people in the creative industries felt like it was completely undermining their line of work. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this there's this advert from Amazon with a ballet dancer front and center saying the show must go on. And I think that phrase also is a bit of a nod to this advert as well. Well, actually, the show must go on. Yeah, they can't perform right now, but nonetheless, it's a credible career. And yeah, I quite like. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, that's true. I think I think that's a, that's a good example of two two businesses trying to build these really emotional connections. One getting it completely wrong the government which is not a surprise <laughs> and then amazon obviously doing quite a good job which is uh, also not a surprise but mm. yeah i think um i think it's i think it's a, just on that brew dog um point as well jeremy i think these kind of um sort of veins that run through brand-led marketing so there'll be a team at brew dog that i might just and they'll have sat down and said right what do we want to what do we want to be what do we want to stand for as a brand mm. and i assume they'll have picked things like we want to be sustainable we want to give back to our employees and we want to, you know, build great beer and they'll pick those three things out. And that will, what be informs their marketing strategy right from the top down. Um, And that's obviously come through quite well. So, because we've all, we've all, we've all, all I think it's, um, I think it's interesting when you, uh, when you kind of look at Brewdog and uh, companies like that, because I, I think you find some companies go for that completely and they go kind of thinking outside the box. They go, you know, how are we going to get people on our side? Uh, you know, emotionally and get us to connect. Um, and you get people like Brewdog, like you say, that, you know, do all these kind of marketing activities. But you also get, you know, the opposite, which would be uh, someone like Ryanair, which is just straight out. We've got cheap flights, buy them. That's it. They're, they're not trying to, you know what I mean? They're not trying to do anything, which is, you know, oh, we're a great brand. We yeah. care about you. Anything like that. It's just, 
we've got cheap flights. Mm. You want to go on holiday, buy them. And then like Brewdog, Brewdog, yeah, exactly. Brewdog does the exact opposite of that. It doesn't say we've got cheap beer, we've got great beer, we've got this. It's a bit like, uh, forget about the beer. Here's, here's, here's other stuff. You know, we really care about you. And it's, it's, it's strange because it's a tactic of marketing, which is almost putting the product, which you're trying to sell to the side and looking at everything other than the product almost. Um, yeah, it's an interesting method. Yeah, so that's a great point, yeah. Rory. I mean, if you, if you compare, uh, was it Ryanair you gave yeah. an example there from? You compare Ryanair to British Airways and then you, you think about, right, on a fundamental level, they're both doing the same thing. But in my, the perception of British Airways for me is kind of Premier League yep. level, you know, airline flighting. Mm. Flighting? Is that a word? <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting how, how businesses can create brands. And that, I mean, what is a brand? We could get, we could get into a lot of detail. <laughs> here, but big, a, big, a brand big. Is, is, a, is, a, is a strange thing that sits between like subjectivity and objectivity. And it kind of m- merges those two schools of thought. Yep. Mm. And it's just really, really interesting. And I'm quite into sort of like brands and stuff. And I really... I've got a lot of time for businesses that take time to define and build their brand. So yeah, it just, it's a nice topic. I guess with, with Ryanair though, at least they're not attempting to show that they stand, they stand for something, you know, there's kind of an authenticity thing there. Cause I think it's great when brands like Brewdog have these different things that they stand for, but you can smell it when it's inauthentic a mile off, can't you? Yeah. So I think that's where it's crucial that you have to, yeah, you can believe in something and stand for something, but make it relevant to your brand. Don't just kind of do it as yeah, a checkbox exactly. PR exercise, which I think does happen sometimes. And Yeah, I think yeah. Um, especially in kind of like times like now where uh, people are kind of looking to companies for almost like support, as, uh, as you could say. Um, and I think it's, mm. it's really important that you get that right. I think there's a lot of companies, if they come across as fake, it actually has an adverse effect. And you, you basically yeah. go... No, that's completely fake. I'm not buying that. You know what I mean? If if there's a company that has, you know, maybe had some kind of scandal with something where they've been, you know, not ethically sourcing something or something along those lines, and then suddenly they release an advert like, oh, we care. I think mm-hmm. straight away you have the opposite effect and everyone goes, No, I don't trust yeah. you. So I think it's 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 a kind of uh, it's a risky strategy because you want to make sure you nail it and you want to make sure you get it exactly right. Yeah. Otherwise, I think you genuinely can put your company in a worse position if you don't if you don't get that right. Well, if, if we take it back to the Amazon advert, they're not at all in it really saying we care or anything. They're literally just providing a visual and we're inferring that based off of that. Um, they're not mm. pushing a particular narrative on it. We're just building that um, inference based off the emotions we're feeling from the advert. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. completely. Yeah. And Sam, you're talking about um, emotions within that advert, um, Christmas adverts that make them what they are. Uh, I was doing a bit of research on just emotions in Christmas adverts, and there was um, there's a online magazine called Unruly. Uh, they did an analysis a few years ago, an emotional profile of Christmas adverts, and the the common themes they see are happiness, inspiration, warmth, amazement, nostalgia, and going yeah. over the. Uh, Amazon advert, you can see a lot of these themes throughout it, even with uh, the way they've kind of shot, um, shot the film or the advert. Yeah. Um, like you can see a lot of nostalgia in it. Looking from a child's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, we all start thinking back to that time. Everyone's gone through a time where they're excited about something to happen and it didn't happen. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the way it was shot was just like it was shot in four by three. For a lot of the older generation, that takes them back to the films they used to see. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the standard. F- way we shoot films anymore um so there's lots of little cues you can kind of see in there that are trying to pick up on those key emotions that get us driven 
Definitely, yeah, hundred percent agree. I think um, one of the one of the actual best kind of going on from that Christmas adverts. I think one of the best ones I saw this year was actually online, and I think it was a Irish supermarket. Uh, I can't remember the exact brand. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but um, it again was kind of similar theme of like the Amazon one. It was taking the kind of topical situation of kind of COVID and everything like that, um, and it was of a little kid who basically. Um, was like writing his Christmas list and he kept saying to his mum like oh is he here yet is he here yet and she's like no 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 you know a few more sleeps and he'll be here he'll be here sort of thing and basically the whole time obviously you're assuming this kid means Santa and then basically you kind of hear some like sleigh bells or something like that and then the kid goes oh my god like he's here he's here and then he opens the door and it's his granddad and I think that was just absolutely beautiful yeah I've not seen that one, but that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was absolutely beautiful because like you say, it was in a time as well when we were a bit like we're all missing our family and everyone was kind of looking forward to that kind of uh, Christmas where they could, you know, uh, see their family and bits like that. And it was in in the build up to that and everyone was obviously missing their family and I think that just completely nailed it. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. That really kind of brought home that kind of family feel and what everyone was really feeling at the moment yeah absolutely yeah yeah and it was it was playing on kind of a nostalgic narrative and then and then playing with it wasn't it yeah yeah you know the element of surprise at the end that's that's really nice really clever yeah I thought it was fantastic yeah I like that thanks for sharing that I guess this brings us on quite nicely to the campaign that you wanted to talk about Rory and I don't think this brand needs any introduction, but if you want to go ahead and let us know which campaign you've picked. Yeah, of course. So um, I think uh, within the last few years, I think the best one I can remember, and, you know, I think just the more I think about this, the more on so many different levels, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's obviously one that pretty much every single person, whether into marketing or anything at all, will know about. And it's the uh, share of Coke that uh, Coca-Cola did. Um, And what it must be about five years ago now or so i can't, I can't sure remember yeah it started in 2015 yeah, was it 2015 yeah yeah um yeah and oh, 2014 sorry yeah, yeah, so Chester. obviously if you were i don't know <laughs> if you weren't in any supermarket in 2014 or whatever i'll explain it it's obviously <laughs> the names of people's names on just bottles of coke and that's all it was and it just said share a coke with and then they just stock the shelves with every name under the sun and the idea being you see your name on a shelf on a bottle of coke and you buy it and i think this works on so many different levels because yeah you obviously if you see your name on something which you're, you're not expecting to that's just an everyday product you know you, you buy a bottle of coke and you know you buy milk you buy bread whatever but suddenly if it's got your name on it you go oh my god i'm attached to it it's it's for me and, <laughs> and you know it's weird when you yeah. when you see your name in something and you see the personalization you something like kind of twigs in your head it's a bit like if you hear your name mentioned even if someone's calling someone else it's like your head turns and i think that's the same with yeah. the same with the product um and obviously to see something so iconic such as like a bottle of coke and to see your name on it you're suddenly like oh my god that that bottle was meant for me <laughs> and um and yeah. straight away you want to buy it so obviously you've got the instant kind of like upsell of um people suddenly just flocking to the supermarket going i want to buy a bottle of coke because i've got to find one with my name on it so you've got all those people but then it goes even further because once you've bought that it doesn't the journey doesn't stop there it carries on and it goes straight onto social media because you suddenly go oh my god you, yeah. you send it straight to all your friends you go look it's a bottle of coke with my name on it and, and you send it to all your friends and then you post it online and then you post it on twitter facebook linkedin uh, whatever and and suddenly you spread that throughout yeah, the world I, I saw a stat that said i saw, saw a stat that said in the first year uh, there are five hundred thousand photos of coke bottles that people have bought with the hashtag 
uh, Cheryl. Incredible. Yeah, and that's just... And that was the demographic that they were targeting as well, wasn't yeah. it? They said that out of out of teens and young adults, 50% of them hadn't even tasted Coke before. Wow. Which is just crazy. Wow. And, and that was the whole purpose of this campaign. Yeah. And I think, you know, the whole idea of personalization, it's an extension of your own brand as such, isn't it? You know, you have Instagram, that's an extension of who you are and what you want to put out in the world. So, of course, if you have a, a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke with your name on it, you're going to want to share it, aren't you, on your social media? Yeah. And that's genius. Yeah. And it- it's also the simplicity of the campaign yeah. as well. Like, there's yeah. nothing more simple than just a name on a bottle, but it works on so many different levels it's as well. And, and it- you just think like how did no one think of this before like that's just genius know, and it's so simple they're doing it now it's everywhere isn't it yeah. you, they've got it with extra and with nutella they're just a couple of examples that i can think of. yeah i was gonna i was gonna say who did it first then was it coke or was it starbucks because you remember starbucks did that yeah of course you know they used to well i think still well, do, they, yeah they, they write your name on it yeah and yeah. i've yeah, heard so. a rumor i don't know if this is true but they say because obviously you get a lot of people posting online when they've misspelled their name and some people say yeah. I, I don't know whether this is true so i don't know why i'm peddling but um they said about that <laughs> sometimes they're told to uh, misspell the names so people share it online <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but i, I could, see, I, I could I could, see that being a pretty smart i could completely play. see that happening um yeah i can actually yeah <laughs> but maybe it's, maybe it's we should we should we should knock up a couple of subject lines yeah yeah so people share it go oh god look at this <laughs> I yeah. well, there, there was a post i saw on linkedin the other day that was getting quite a bit of traction um and it was it was a cold email outreach yep. and it was just um somebody doing hi first name in brackets to make it look yeah, like a mistake um, to catch people's attention and then having their actual name underneath uh, playing it off as a joke or say, saying it's a yeah, joke. Yeah, I've seen them before. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Clever. Apparently with the, with the coat campaign, they actually then put it back to the public and said, which names do you want on the bottles? And they couldn't oh, make really? a vote. Yeah, I think they had like 65,000 submissions and then out oh. of that, they added new names to the list. Yeah. So that's another way of kind of getting them to interact with it again. You know, which names, who do you want to buy a Coke for? Yeah. Let us know and then we'll put it on the bottle. I think that was really clever. Well, the thing as well that you, yeah. you just don't really think about as well is that that what they want you to do was in the whole name of it. And it's what everyone did is share a Coke and you suddenly it's, it's share it online. It's share yeah. it with your friends. It's, you know, the whole thing yeah. is share it. And, and that's what everyone did. And that's how it worked so well. I think it's just fantastic. The only the only drawback I'd say was yeah. I never saw Rory on a bottle of Coke, which was quite sad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> However, I did actually. That seems like one though. Well, this is the thing. I, I, I said maybe an island or something. Yeah, I did actually. I think I did have someone that sent it because I complained, being like, "I've not seen Rory once." And then I think someone sent me saying, "I saw it in the shop." <laughs> But, um, yeah. no, no, Copy me in with it with the CEO of Coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there needs to be more no. out there. <laughs> That's funny. I think what's interesting as well with that method of personalization, it didn't feel too invasive because I think sometimes, yeah. I don't know about you, but when I've watched things on Channel 4 on All 4, but I was going to call it 4 OD then, that's showing my age. Um, when you watch a program on there and then it's an advert, it can say, hello, Katie. And it really freaks me out. What? I'm like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Don't you be calling me out in my bedroom. But I think when it's on a, on a bottle of Coke, it doesn't feel quite so invasive. And I wonder why that is. What, does it actually I'm speak not, it out? I'm not, I've not heard of this. Yeah. Okay. Yes, if, if you're signed into a certain <laughs> hub, yeah. it, it calls your name out in some adverts, which I find really scary. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. That's yeah, creepy. There's, there's definitely a fine line between personalization and just being yep. weird 
yeah very much I so i think so. um i think like you say <laughs> like you get um things with uh, google and there's like um push notifications now where obviously because google's constantly got your location tracking and stuff like that on where basically yeah. they know if you've been into a certain shop um so that gives the opportunity to you know get your uh, that shops whether it's um i'm just trying to think whether it's a supermarket or something like that to get their rivals then to then send you discount codes and be like oh you know shop with us sort of thing because they know yeah. you've been in sainsbury's so therefore you know tesco or someone will then start sending you stuff um which is it's when, when you when you yeah when you're getting on location data <laughs> i think that's 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 turning the line isn't it that's pushing it to the line it really is <laughs> yeah. apparently it's i think spotify haven't they just bought a patent that enables them to do that so they can see what you're up to and what you're interacting with and then send you music according to that mood. Oh, wow. God. <laughs> Which is just, it's quite scary. I mean, I want to control the music I'll listen to things. Yeah. If I'm angry and I want to still listen to some, <laughs> I don't know, Taylor Swift, then let me let me be. Don't tell me what to listen to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that can be quite invasive. Yeah, that's funny, that. Okay. Based on your mood. So if your football team loses, they just recommend lots of calm music. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you could really mess with people's brains couldn't you with that yeah. <laughs> to be honest <laughs> could really wind, really torment somebody yeah <laughs> so you guys both both work for force 24 then so talk to us a bit about some of your favorite campaigns that you've run while working at force 24 yeah it's a good question as well jeremy i think um i've sort of been in the business now coming up to 18 months, so relatively new um, in this role and at the business. But for me, we um, we miss we miss events, actually. That's, that's what I want to want to talk about. And, and for me, events is a physical event, you know, up to up to 2020. And before that, we, we kind of relied on those quite heavily and attended between 15 and 20 and 2019 and, and 2020 here. And then obviously COVID put a stop to all that. And we kind of missed those quite heavily, really. And just to confirm, Sam, that's to... not a ballet performance, is it? <laughs> that's definitely not a ballet performance, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, an, it's a chance to kind of show off from a creative perspective. And we've got we've got some great design talent in the business. And the, the last event we went to was, was, I think it was March last year in uh, in uh, Manchester, Digital City Expo. And we, we spent a lot of time and money designing this really big kick-ass stand you know and we kind of took it in a completely different direction from a brand perspective mm. um and we, we went all out you know we had a big mix stand on the on the on the on the actual stand and all the guys had the macbooks and they were collecting data and they're running around scanning people and, and adam did a talk and and that as one whole campaign i think is probably the thing that that jumps out in my mind um, take us to this idea a bit more i'd be interested to find out a bit more about that because obviously jeremy and i are both still quite new as well so i'd, I'd love to hear more about that sam about the what sorry the Katie. mix <laughs> yeah i mean it's the traditional dangle the carrot in front of your prospect kind of <laughs> technique where it was you've got to pick a mix stand on your actual marketing stand and everyone who comes by you know looks at the stands if to say I want to go and get some of those sweets, but I'm not really sure I want to speak to these guys. <laughs> but the sun looks pretty cool and I'm a marketer, so I'm going to go in. And then before you know it, you're in, you've had a demo of the platform. We've got your details in exchange for a bag of pick and mix, which is, you know, in terms of data capture and what we pay per record there, it's 
relatively cheap from that standpoint. But, a good deal um, for them as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a pretty old trick. And if you go to any of these expos, there's often people giving out all sorts of stuff. I mean, mm. we we actually had quite a lot of swag there, didn't yeah. we? We gave a lot of stuff away, like bottles and, and bags and guides and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, we had lots to give away there. Um I think um like you say in regards to campaigns, I I was thinking the exact same. Um I've been at um, Force Twenty Four a little bit longer, about two and a half years now. Um, and I've seen kind of like the um, the events that we do throughout the years kind of get bigger and bigger from just like pop out stands uh, to, you know, kind of four by three meters to um, the, the one that we had at um, uh, in Manchester Central at the Digital City Expo, which is our biggest event yet. And that was that was just really exciting to work on because um, it was just great to see everything in person. So it was great to, you know, work on the stand with the design team and kind of work out this massive stand and, you know, what we were going to get on it. And then we were like, right, let's get something that entices people in. And like Sam said, um, we got to pick a mix stand because we were like, right, let's get some, you know, bags printed with Force 24 on, let's get some guides, let's get, you know, like loads of stuff that we can hand out. And it's great kind of working towards all this and, um, you know, to getting it all designed, getting all the campaign sorted to then be able to actually go to the event and just see it all in person and just see kind of like all your work over the past few months just in this great kind of colossal stand. Uh, it's brilliant, yeah. Yeah. I think so, the other thing probably to, to add on to that is, we are pretty big on, so we're talking like campaigns in general, but actually we're, we're quite big on um, forensically analysing and iterating campaigns. You know, a campaign is fine. Let's, a, lot, a lot of businesses fall into this trap of, right, we need to get a campaign out because we need to get it, get it out and it's Friday, so we need to send it now without having time to sort of step back and think, actually, we sent this last Friday. What did it look like from a results perspective and should we should we change anything? And I know these days a lot of marketers are kind of overburdened and overworked and they're really under the cosh to try and build emails and send them out. And and luckily at Force 24, we don't really have that much of a, much of a problem with that because, you know, we can we can build an email sequence that will run for eight, ten weeks in, you know, half an hour. And then that allows Rory and I to sort of step back and, you know, we might want to put a bit more time into looking at how our PPCs performances or what we're doing on Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads, or we might start planning for another webinar or that kind of thing. It just, mm. it liberates us and allows us to be a bit more strategic, really. Yeah, and yep. analytical as well, I suppose, eh? Way forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So back, back, back to events again quickly. So Force24 are doing their, um, an online event soon, aren't they, Rory? Uh, you're running that. Uh, do you want to talk to us about that quickly? Yeah, well, we've actually got uh, two um, on the 24th and 25th uh, February, the Wednesday and the Thursday. So the Wednesdays, uh, the marketing showcase uh, was a fantastic event. Uh, we used to do them in person, kind of like all throughout the time and kind of up and down uh, the country. And um, they've uh, obviously... Uh, in COVID times, they've gone virtual, and um, it's it's still just as good as ever. Um, there's you know multiple speakers throughout the day, one of which being our um, CEO Adam Oldfield, um, and he's basically doing a talk on the Wednesday um, at uh, 10:30 um, on basically how to integrate automation into your marketing. Um, so he's going to basically be showing you all the ropes of if you're kind of a bit new to marketing automation um, and, you know, you, you're kind of wondering what kind of effect it can have for your business, uh, how easy it is actually to put into your business. Um, he's going through all the ropes on that. So that's going to be a great talk then. Uh, and then the day after, he's actually doing a talk with uh, Dr. Dave Shaffey. 
and uh, who's the uh, MD of uh, Smart Insights. And uh, basically, they're going to be talking about the email marketing masterclass. Um, and that's going to be everything email related, kind of covering from, you know, whether you're a beginner or advanced. Um, it just covers basically everything kind of to do with email from deliverability to, you know, content. Um, and that's going to be a real in-depth talk. And I think that's a fantastic one for any kind of marketer of any level, really. So um, make sure you don't miss out on them. They sound great. I'll definitely be attending. Yeah, I was one, should we put a link in the in the show notes? Yeah, or something for oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll link both of those, and the adverts we've spoken about will be all, all linked in the bottom as Perfect. well. Perfect. Awesome. Seeing as the podcast sponsored by Force Twenty Four, uh, do you guys want to give us a quick rundown of what marketing automation is? How would Rory. you describe that to somebody who's not heard of it before? Marketing automation. So I'll, I, I have this a lot because, uh, you know, when you just meet someone new and someone goes, oh, what do you do? And, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm a marketing manager. And then they're like, all oh, right, okay, what what company? And then I'm like, a bit like, well, have you heard of marketing automation? And they're like, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, God, right. How do I say this without going on a rant for 10 minutes to someone that really, yeah, really won't care hard. about this? <laughs> they, they, want me to, they, they want me to be something simple, like, you know what I mean? Like doctor. <laughs> and then you can, and then yeah. that's it, done. So, so I, kind of, I kind of sum it up. And the way I, I actually put this to people is, um, right, so you know when you book a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or something like that, and basically you you book that appointment online or you call them up then leading up to it maybe the day before you get an email or you get a text through and it says you know uh don't forget you've got your doctor's appointment uh, tomorrow at 12 o'clock and then on the day it says again just to remind you uh your dentist appointment uh is today at 12 o'clock and it's in whatever this room blah 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 and i say to them now that's not a person sending that that's not, you know, someone who's on their phone messaging every single person that's got, you know, a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment. You know, that's all set what up. What a job that would be. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but that's, that's obviously all set up through a journey, through automation. And that's something that is just automatically happening whenever anyone books, you know, a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment. And that is basically marketing automation. That, that's obviously one level. That's a really kind of simple uh, level to put on something that's quite relatable. But obviously marketing automation as a marketing marketing package and a marketing suite um it features everything so like you say it's campaigns um it's lead scoring so it's generating roi um it's increasing engagement it's you know uh, quickly building emails it's quickly building microsites and it's linking it all together to create one massive integrated campaign um which is just it, it just takes your marketing to the next level really and I think as well, connecting that to what Sam said about the analytical side of marketing, I think it's so useful in that respect. Yeah. Just in terms of all the insights that you get from that, that's something that you wouldn't necessarily get if you just approach it with a more single channel avenue. Completely. It's you all can, linked together. Yeah, yeah, completely. So like you say, uh, every campaign you do, uh, every website visit, you, you know, you've got all of the details, you've got all of the analytics. And like you say, because we use marketing automation, obviously ourselves uh, to do our own marketing, mm. uh, um, we can actually go back and because we can set up a journey or a campaign that runs and, you know, like I was using the example before, you don't need to text people when their uh, appointment is, you know, that's all running in the background. So because that's running in the background, you've yeah. then got time yourself to go, right, okay, is this the right message to these people? Is this going at the right time? How is this doing? Maybe we need to change something about with it. And and you can go in and mm. look at all these details and refine it and refine it until, you, you know, you're, you're really hitting top engagement levels. I mean, yeah, what, what Rory said there is is a, is a good example. From a Force 24 perspective, we 
we enable UK marketers to, you know, step back and deliver more with less. So we're here on a two-minute SLA, Monday to Friday. We offer every single marketer that uses the platform free training and support for life. And that really is our sort of stance on, you know, we we are we want to fight with the marketers' fight and we want to help them do more. Mm. Um, so we, we see a lot of a lot of new business, new new clients come to us saying, you know, we're overwhelmed, we're not getting the support we do. We, we require, sorry, we're not getting, you know, we can't build the emails quickly enough. We haven't got time to do X, Y, and Z. And we're like, okay, well, let's talk to you about how we can implement Force 24 and help you ultimately save time and deliver real business engagement. Brilliant. Well, that's a pretty good explanation of exactly what Force 24 does then. Uh, so do if you have anything else you want to add quickly? Uh, anything you want to add to your campaigns that you've spoken about? Um, that's another thing I'm hearing. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, we're, we're kind of in the process now of going through a rebrand ourselves and this is quite a big piece of work. And obviously first stage is to get buy-in from the sort of board and the, uh, my boss essentially. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a new journey for me, but I definitely have learned a lot from, from the big players, you know, and how to position yourself and what really is a great brand and, and how do you build it? I think that's probably a topic for another webinar, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like we should have you back on then after <laughs> you completed the rebrand. So you can talk about that. That'd be yeah, great. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love that. Well, I think that's pretty much all from us then today. Uh, so it's great having you guys on. Thank you very oh, much. Thanks for being our guinea pig. Yeah, great to be on. Well, there you have it. That's the end of our first ever episode of Campaigns and Coffee. Be sure to join us for our next episode where we'll be chatting with James McKenzie from Welcome to Yorkshire to talk about marketing north of the wall.